1: While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Barnyard Language. Katie and I are hanging out again today, and we are glad that you're here with us. So, Katie, what's going on on the farm this week? Is it still frigid and uh, cold out there? It's actually
0: slightly warmer today. I don't think we're quite above freezing yet, but we're getting there. We had those triplet lambs late last week. I'm trying to remember, I don't know what day it was.
1: I don't know what day it is today, whatever. You're unscheduled lambs, right? Yes, this is
0: not yes. to We generally start lambing at the end of February, first week of March. And one of our That's rams was that. in with the ewes for I think less than two hours, five months ago. And this is the second set of lambs we've had, but knock on wood, this should be all of them because it was a very tight breeding window. But the other day when I was editing, I had a, a lamb in here with me. Saturday, I guess it was. And she finally went out and sat on the couch with the kids and the babysitter and watched a movie and they all had a grand time.
1: And is that one doing okay?
0: Seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, just trucking along, trying to get back in the swing of things. I've canceled a lot of things. I'm just coming to the realization that if organizing more and more and more is not helping you manage things maybe you're trying to manage too many things and at some point maybe you have to get rid of commitments and items and I don't want to say people because that sounds kind of harsh
1: but <laughs> yeah you're not eliminating anybody you know
0: <laughs> maybe it's time to to reassess some of your commitments in life
1: because before so. Christmas you were working part-time or how many you you did a I jump in hours of your paid
0: job right 25 hours. And I am now right. working 40 hours. That's a lot more hours. It is. And, you know, my initial response, as everyone else's is, was, well, lots of people work full time, which they do. I don't know how they all do it. Um, yeah. Certainly not farmers with spouses who also work full time and have two little kids and farm. And a So, like, so seriously, yeah. if you have any tips or tricks, please let me know. Cause we're, yeah, trying to get off the struggle bus. You know, it's, it's hard. So that's a big jump. Yeah. It's uh, mostly just trying to schedule things that like if the kids are gone for nine hours and I have to work eight of those nine hours, then when the hell do I do everything else? You know, so, cause the, the time from when they get home to bedtime is a pretty dead run. And then the time from their bedtime to my bedtime is usually about ten minutes because I'm old. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There's not I a like lot of sleep it. at this yeah. stage of life. You're not doing a lot of extra things after you tuck them in.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people are like, "Well, I just stay up till one a.m." I'm like, "No, no." That I tried that. It it was not
1: a good, not a good fit. So no, sleep anyway. needs to factor in there. So yeah, yeah. How are you doing, Arlene? Well, I mean the kids are still at home, so we're getting lots of quality time together. Yeah, it's gotten the last couple of days quite quite cold. So that introduces, you know, potentially some more difficulties into the barn, but it doesn't look like it's gonna be a huge long stretch of super cold weather. That's when things start to, you know, really start to fall apart when you can't can't get really get ahead of it. But there's supposed to be like a 20 degree swing in in temperature in the next day. So I mean, it's going from super cold to back to more temperate. So that'll be weird for my head. I tend to get those barometric pressure headaches. But beyond that, yeah. So farm life is pretty good. Had a few new calves, but nothing crazy. And yeah, we got another cow in on a last minute booking to the abattoir this week. So that's kind of good. I've had we've been doing a little bit more selling, basically just ground beef and a little bit of other cuts kind of to friends and neighbors and a little bit on Facebook marketplace, kind of get around the no animal sales rules in creative ways. So I've had a bunch of return customers. So we actually, we didn't have another cow booked until March, but we were running low. So that's a good problem to have. We were able to get a cancellation spot. So we'll have a cow going in tomorrow to get done up and then I can let some people know that we've got more meat hopefully in a couple weeks once it's back from the butcher and other than that yeah still working on grade two Uh, we've got two options in our school system at this point where or within our board you can either be synchronous which means you're you log in and do a class where the teacher is leading things or you can go asynchronous where you get the same work but you're doing it on your own schedule so we're trying that for a few days just because the logging in and being part of the class while in theory is a good idea it ends up taking a long time and not actually getting a whole lot done some days and my little guy is not enjoying that so i'm trying to lure him with the can to get done a lot faster if you just write the sentence kind of thing so yeah we'll see how that goes maybe they go back next week that's the rumor but i don't know i'm not holding that much hope at this point but They'll go back to school someday eventually yeah <laughs> yeah Yikes. i mean who doesn't love to just spend the winter locked in your house again yeah it's
0: i'll tell you i was rereading the, the little house on the prairie books this year and having kids really puts a different spin on you know reading about my angles out there on this one room cabin on the prairie with three small children all winter yeah just oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh great yeah oh we did take the kids to the movie theater for the first time this weekend so that was mm-hmm. uh, what'd you say we went to see sing Two. it was oh cute very cute the boy child is officially not old enough to go to a movie in the theater yet the girl child loved it one of her classmates had gone to the theater last week i want to say and so We've heard about nothing but but theaters and i love that at five now she's at an age where if it's something she's heard about or seen on tv she is clearly an expert on it and she can speak with great authority about movie theaters and all sorts of things
1: what it's gonna be like yeah that's an exciting milestone i forgot about the uh, kind of that first movie experience yeah she was super into it
0: but the boy child is is not quite there yet which is fine, you know. He's still a he's he's on the young side for that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it was at least in a kids' movie, you don't have to worry about uh, leaving or making yeah. noise. Some people yeah, yeah. around you don't mind too much. Oh. So yeah, the the to news is that the kids are supposed to go back to school on Monday, but there hasn't actually been an announcement from the Ministry of Education yet. So, I think they're going back. The only issue is going to be the new quarantine and isolation rules are super strict so like if one of my kids has a runny nose then everybody has to stay home and so who knows how much they'll actually go to school I mean they are older at least so maybe we'll have less of that kind of stuff and I did get the younger two in early for their second vaccines because our federal guidelines are eight weeks but with with parental approval, you can get it quicker. So I was like, "Well, let's just get it," because once they're double vac, then those isolation requirements shorten up a bit. Like it's five days instead of ten days. Oh, right, right. So that that would make a big difference too. So,
0: yeah, I did have to laugh. So Charlotte went and got her first vaccine Friday night, mm-hmm. Thursday night, uh, last week, whatever. And I had not considered that the. The pharmacy where we went to get it has a toy store and so oh. <laughs> we were talking about going to the movie theater and she goes no i want to go back to the doctor and it was like and then i realized that she meant back to the pharmacy so she could go back to the toy <laughs> right, store
1: there were toys but there. It,
0: it was very sweet she picked out a toy for henry before she found one for herself oh that's which i cute. thought was very kind yeah they're very hard into the i love you more than life itself also i'm gonna murder you phase which is
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's like puppies it's ridiculous either or oh <laughs> uh, oh i guess it's my turn to like start the intro too isn't it all right so welcome back to barnyard language everybody today we're talking to ren almitra who runs the harvesting our potential program for the women's food and Ag network the women's food nag network is actually how i got started with this podcast It's been an incredibly helpful program for me. I've participated both having a mentor and mentoring other producers, and they've reached out more towards working with existing producers as well.
1: So Ren, our first question for each of our guests is what are you growing? So what are you growing can be anything from houseplants to crops to pets to family to businesses or careers. Yeah,
2: I'm actually leaving WFAN at the end of this month after being with the organization for six years. And so I feel in some ways like I'm I'm growing the next new kind of journey or part of my journey, I guess, the next new adventure. And I'm not quite sure what it's going to look like. So, but yeah, a a lot of personal growth in this, in this next step.
1: And have you been in the same position the whole time that you were with the Women's Food and Ag Network, or did you go through different roles?
2: In some ways I've kind of added, I just keep adding things. (laughs) So I started out part-time running one of our programs that actually we no longer coordinate, but then um, have, yeah, I kept adding programs and other hats and I've gone from program coordinator to program director and grants director. So it's changed in some ways and in other ways it looks the same. Yeah.
0: That seems like that's kind of life in the nonprofit sector is that nobody ever gets Mm -hmm. rid of a job. They just add more different stuff. You know, it's a lot like farming that way. So Red, maybe I'll just circle back to my intro here. I just really wanted to tell you how much I appreciate the number of years we've worked together and your dedication for your work and the dedication of everybody at WFAN. Building our direct-to-customer meat business, which was the first thing I worked with the mentor on, and then having the support of WFAN to approach Carrie Mess about helping uh, mentor me to start this podcast and really having Nat support and sounding board, especially as an established producer, it's pretty rare to find any mentoring support for folks who are already in the business and not just in the planning stage or in the very beginning stages.
2: Yeah, I was actually um, just reading over, I don't know if you remember, I did an interview with you and your mentee, Katie, in 2019. And I was just rereading before we got on that that kind of interview and profile, to clarify, it was 2015 when you started, when you were first a mentee, and I think, you know, one of the things that has always struck me with working with you in this program is, one, that you've been both a mentor and a mentee, so you've worn both hats, and I think you, you therefore have a lot of unique perspective on, and you've been with us, like, you're one of the longest kind of running participants in this program, so you have a lot of uh, historical perspective as well, and then, you know, you also have you're one of our few mentors who has done both kind of like hands-on on the farm, you know, mentoring, but a lot of distance learning as well, which I think we're seeing as we, as you mentioned, as we make this program more accessible to existing farmers who may, maybe already have land and have started a business of some kind, but want to grow it in different ways or, or, you know, lean into certain skill sets a little bit more. I'm finding that those folks tend to do better with like a distant, distance, distance based for kind of virtual based mentorship. And so I feel like, again, your experience has really lent, um, lent well to the, to helping us understand how to grow this program best. And then, you know, one other thing that I really appreciated about working with you is, is that you really bringing to my eye, you know, opening my eyes to the conversations around parenting and farming and how. You know, since I've been involved with WFAN, I, of course, that's been part of our conversations, but it hasn't been really direct. And so I'm really excited that, you know, I'm hopeful. And I think through your podcast and through the little bit of work we did through the conference this year, I hope we can continue to grow those conversations. And so, yeah, there's so much I, I really just appreciate that you've been a part of this program over the years. Before.
0: Well, and I think. For myself, as an existing business owner, one of the nicest parts about working with WFAN has been the ability to do online phone calls, whatever sort of off-farm mentoring, because a lot of mentoring programs are geared towards folks who can, you know, pick up for four months and go work on somebody's farm. Mm -hmm. And it is an incredibly valuable experience. But if you already have a farm or a job or children or whatever, it makes it a lot harder to just you know, there's no way I would have been able to pack up and move to Shannon's ranch for four months. And she wouldn't have wanted me to, you know, as she has her own children and her own family and all that. And so it is really nice. And especially to work with a group that's been very responsive to feedback and especially with having more programming for existing farmers and really pushing that because it's not something that's commonly seen. And it is nice to have that ability. And I think having been on both sides, it makes it easier to mentor other people if you've done it yourself. And it Mm -hmm. makes it easier to know exactly what help you need, if you've been on both sides of it.
2: Um, Absolutely. I agree.
1: So for someone like me, who doesn't know as much about the, the programs that you offer, can you tell us more specifically about the harvesting our potential program and how it works?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the Women, Food, and Agriculture Network kicked off this particular program Gosh, I think honestly, close to 20 years ago, there's been some years that have been a little less active due to funding, you know, funding restrictions or lack of funding. But the the crux of the program, the the, the kind of heart of the program is this mentorship piece. So the idea here is that we match aspiring and beginning women farmers with like seasoned farmers and for, for a season of mentorship. And so That's kind of looked a little different over the years. It's evolved and grown, as as Katie's mentioned a few times. We've also made sure to provide opportunities for existing women farmers. Through those season-long mentorships, we also have started a skill-building mentorship for existing farmers. This is, instead of a season-long experience, this is up to five days of concentrated learning with another seasoned farmer to uh, hone in on a skill set such as, for example, learning how to drive a tractor, learning how to shear sheep. Maybe there's just something around horticulture or marketing that you really just need, like just a very focused amount of time with somebody on. You can spend anywhere from one to five days with that person and you you get paid a stipend. So just a side note, that's one of our, our newer program offerings, but Really, the the historical um, context for this program has been the the season long on farm mentorships. They, by design, it's a very more kind of an, I would say informal and flexible program than maybe some other apprenticeship or internship programs throughout the country. We, as Katie kind of alluded to, you know, really want to make sure this works for folks who do have jobs, who do have children, who might be in school, and so we really rely on the mentee coming in and setting their goals and objectives with their mentor, and they base the amount of time they work together, both in terms of, you know, like weekly number of hours, but also the length of the mentorship on those goals and objectives, how much time is going to be needed to really check those off. And also, you know, folks tend to come into the program with a list that has like 20 things on it. And so how to also help them identify what's, what's my core, what are the core things I really want to get out of this, this, you know, honestly, a limited time, three, Up to three months is not very much time on a farm. And so really helping them kind of prioritize that list. So my job is really just kind of matchmaker. If if folks apply who don't already have a mentor in mind, I work with them to, again, understand kind of what they're hoping to get out of their mentorship. I match them with one of our mentors. We do a mentor training to make sure our mentors feel comfortable with, you know, a range of things, from legal considerations to to hosting somebody on your farm, to communication styles, you know, conflict resolution—all you know, kind of the 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 wealth of things you might bump into by having you know a really concentrated amount of time with somebody. So. This isn't just, you know, it isn't just getting somebody on the farm to provide labor. It really is a combination of education, building networks, and, and also like, yeah, getting some work as well, both, you know, both and like the mentor is getting some some additional help and the mentee is getting, you know, some some hands-on, getting their hands dirty. And, and some people who come to the program have, have never worked on a farm before, have never gotten their hands dirty. And so it's really, you know, for a lot of folks a first-time exposure, and then like I said, we have folks who, who've already kind of started a farm business. So it's it, it's a it's a range of experiences that are coming in. And I again I think it's another thing that makes this program unique to some other programs in the country. We do provide stipends granted, they're not very much, but but they're our way of you know providing at least some compensation to cover some expenses. It is a lot of work for the mentors to host somebody on their farms, of course. And so we want to make sure that we acknowledge that and that we're able to give them, you know, some compensation. Um we do mid season and end of season evaluations and we host networking events as well through this program. So that might be mentee like meetups and retreats and work days on other farms to events called learning circles, which are more open to the public to learn more about, about farming. Those tend to be one day events that happen in a certain County. And we tour other farms and bring in resource professionals who have resources for beginning farmers to get them introduced to those, those groups. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really cool program. I've been so proud of it and proud to be a part of it. And I learned so much from the mentors and mentees, as Katie said, like we really learn from them what's best and how to make this program best. It's very, I would say as collaborative as possible in terms of really figuring out how to make this a a good program for both parties.
0: I think one of the things that's been most valuable to me, especially with having off farm mentorships, is how flexible the program has been. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't say it's just been a you know a free for all or anything, but i w fan has shown a lot more flexibility in what ideas they're willing to work on, certainly mm-hmm. more than a lot of other programs are, which has been very nice for. I don't know, crazy ideas like coming in and saying, I wanna learn more about marketing and outreach, which is Mm -hmm. how this podcast started. And then saying, you know, I wanna work with somebody really well-known and then I wanna start a podcast and everybody's just been super supportive and helpful and interested and engaged, which has been really nice to not feel like it's one specific way that you can have a mentorship, which has been Mm -hmm. really nice. And I know I certainly at least got the impression the first year that I worked with Shannon that it wasn't super common to have off-farm mentorships. And I did, you know, she's been to our farm, I've been to her farm, but I think especially with COVID, it's been really nice to have some of that framework for folks to be able to work a little more distanced. I mean, there's definitely things you can't learn over the internet, but, you know, even with the two women I've had the pleasure of mentoring since then, you know, we've been able to do a lot of it remotely and then have, you know, one or two days that we came to the farm and did stuff. So that's yeah. been really nice to have that flexibility as well.
2: Yeah, I totally hear that and agree. And, and again, I think you've been a model for kind of how to make that work. And I, I think that last piece you said, most of it being remote, but but making sure there's the opportunity for folks to go to each other's farms, I think is huge. Stephen, a day, yeah, has been, I think, really beneficial. So we just expanded this program into Ohio this past year in 2021. And actually all, I think we did six mentorships there. All of them were remote, actually. These are women, the mentees who, again, have farmland already or some kind of farm business started and just wanted that next level of support for really upping their game in their businesses and marketing. And. Um, business planning and so we had two fantastic mentors there who are rural farmers who are able to support them and but i, I really try to encourage as much as possible like if you can get in one visit you know one farm visit we'll pay for the mileage you can just get there and i think especially for the mentor to see you know the questions that the mentee has about their farm but actually go and see them and then help you know we had a few instances where somebody was able to really kind of redirect in a way that was needed based on just that that farm visit alone so Yeah, I I think the flexibility is huge, you know, I mean, mentorships have been happening between women for eons. And so this isn't like a new thing by any means, but it is a way we feel like to just kind of formalize and help make those connections. And as we are, the Women Food and Ag Network, you know, really help build this network between folks. And so I guess, Katie, I I have a question for you. Do you still have you kept in touch with Shannon much?
0: Two days ago, I think. Okay. Um, Okay. cool. We talk about dogs a lot. Which is, I, you know, Arlene knows it's a pretty common subject for me. Yeah, one of the things I've found most valuable is just the networking and connections of having that mentor. Mm-hmm. And because Shannon, especially, and we're talking about Shannon Ebersole of Ebersole Cattle Company in uh, Kellerton, Iowa, they raise full blood Maine Jews. We actually bought our first herd bull from Shannon and her family and had a great experience. And she's really helped us pivot where we were going with our farm, but just having the connection to folks who might do things differently than we do. They focus on a lot of show cattle and, you know, that level of genetics and that, which isn't something we do, but it's been really interesting to see where they're headed with it. And it's it's really cool as an established producer to get that sort of behind-the-scenes glimpse at somebody else's operation and see that nobody, like, sets out with one concrete path and then does one thing for the next 40 years. I don't... you know. For a lot of small farmers, and especially beginning farmers, that is not the way it goes. You know, and it's good to, it's good to see other people facing those difficulties, because it can be really easy to think that everybody else knows what's going on and has their shit together. So it's, it's helpful to see other people having to figure out what they're doing, too you know, and having to, and Shannon gives the best pep talks. I think we should really like put her on the payroll to just give pep talks for stuff. (laughs) She's very motivational.
2: Yeah, no, I think I absolutely agree. We need cheerleaders in this, in this work. Yeah. And I I think what you brought up too is, when we were thinking about the skill building mentorship, you know, in my mind, farmers are always beginning farmers, you know, no matter how long they've been in it, because it's exactly what you were just saying, Katie. And so being reminded of that and, and and knowing that, yeah, there's always something new to learn. There's always a need to, do, to adapt and and grow and diversify in, in some way that these, that's why these mentorships are needed. So that's really cool to hear that you're staying in touch and that you're finding
0: value in that. So Ren, will the program for established producers continue or expand, do you think, as we're, you know, I'm sure you can answer for the new person who's coming in and just, you know, if you set the precedent now, they won't be able to go back on it.
2: Yeah, no, I'm very confident about the person coming in, being excited about what we're doing and and growing and expanding it. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, this program, our our season-long mentorship, our kind of our regular track of mentorship is is and has been as, as katie's experience you know open to ex- experienced um, farmers as well as aspiring and beginning there was a while where, where it was really kind of catered to the aspiring farmer but but i think you know just with busyness that's again how the skill building mentorship came and kind of came into play and it is meeting that flexibility and that that need for just very concentrated focus. So the short answer is like, yes, absolutely. That will still be part of our programming and the skill and then the new skill building part of our programming. I, I'm really excited to keep growing and, and making making that available. I also want to make sure I mentioned I neglected to earlier that we have a new, another new program expansion, which is farm sitting. And so this is an opportunity for existing farmers like Katie to, if you if you need a vacation, if you're able to get away for a vacation. And I know that it's harder for folks with livestock. So I, I think we still need to kind of figure out how to do this for folks with livestock where it's harder to leave the farm when rather than you know having some vegetables but an opportunity to, to leave whether it's for vacation or just respite or you know maybe to get some additional training somebody to get paid to come in and kind of help cover your your farm chores for you know a few days and so again this is another way that we see supporting existing farmers through this program yeah so i just wanted to mention that but to answer your question katie yes I will say the biggest caveat here is funding, funding, funding. So, you know, we are a nonprofit and there have been times, honestly, unfortunately, where it's been harder to fund this program. I think because one of the reasons is because funders um, sometimes want to see a farmer, you know, a farmer produced, and I hate to talk about it that way, but that's kind of how it is sometimes. It's like they want to see this deliverable of like, okay, we're gonna see this X number of farmers like ready to farm within the next year after going through a program like this. And we just know it doesn't, it takes so much longer to become a farmer. And and so sometimes it can be hard to convince our funders that like this program is needed. It's gonna take a long time, you know, and there's a number of reasons this program is needed. And honestly, one of the other, you know, cases we make is for those women who have never gotten their hands dirty and come through this program and leave realizing I was really thinking about farming. I was getting ready to like start a farm. And now I don't think this is the best path for me, but I'm a food advocate. Now I'm an ag ag advocate. You know, I I understand more why, why, why this field is so difficult and what it takes and the joys of it as well, but it may not be the best route for me. Like we see that as, as a success as well. Right. So that folks aren't just diving in um, head first and then it, you know, and then really struggle or flail. And so I think there's a number of ways to gauge success, I guess, is my point. And so continuing to figure out how to find the the funding to support the program is always a question mark as a nonprofit, of course. And so as long as we have funding, we will keep growing and expanding and uh, excited. If you have any ideas about (laughs) how to get people on board with funding this program, you know, we're always all ears. So...
0: Yeah, I think it's incredibly valuable, but I can see how it might be hard to explain to funders that, you know, having three people decide they really don't want a farm is really a good thing. But if they can decide that before they're, you know, $50,000 in debt and burned out and you know, divorced or whatever, that's that's a much better time to realize that than after all hell is broken loose. And yeah. I I feel like I do need to clarify that because I'm difficult, whatever. I did actually work with Carrie through the five-day intensive mentorship, but we managed to spread that five days out over, what, six months or something? And just sort of, you know, because I didn't need a a weekly check-in, so we just sort of made up what worked for us, but just so nobody's confused about how that happened.
2: Yeah, no, thanks for that reminder. I had even forgotten that. And I think that that, again, is a a cool part of that. That offering is, yeah, that five days can be spread over absolutely as needed. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think even Mm -hmm. as a parent with a farm and, you know, an off-farm job, you know, even I could probably make five days away happen, you know, to do an intensive at somebody else's farm where, Mm -hmm. you know, four months is less feasible. And, Mm -hmm. I don't, as an established farmer, I don't know that I have any growth I really want to do that would justify four months full-time at somebody else's Mm -hmm. farm right now. You know, I I think it would, I would be hard-pressed to come up with something that would take that much time, where as a beginner, it's definitely incredibly valuable. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So just for people who are interested in the program or are intrigued by this, what area does WFAN and the, the mentorship program actually cover? Like who, if, depending on where you live, you probably mm-hmm. can't apply for the program. So who can, who can actually apply and, and what populations are served by the, by the programs that you offer?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking. So currently, again, kind of due to, to funding um, restrictions, funding offerings, I'll say. I, I feel like restrictions kind of a negative word, but kind of where we're at with our funding and 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 who's funding us. Our program is um, the strongest in Iowa, and that's where you know it was founded, and that's where it's continued to to kind of thrive. We have a really amazing mentor base here. So folks from out of state, if they want to apply to farms in Iowa, they are certainly welcome to. We have currently. I believe only one farm out of our, I think we, we just got a new mentor applying. I think we have six mentor farms in Iowa. I think only one of those can host people on their farm in terms of like, you know, living quarters, have living quarters to host. So it does make it tricky, unfortunately, for folks to come in from out of state or even from another part of the state to a certain farm. And so... Someday I'd love to like figure out how we can have WPN tiny houses that we can move around to to farms, but that's you know, way in the future. So so again, folks are certainly welcome to apply from out of state. We do have one mentor in Ohio this year as well that's a really, really fantastic. mentor again can't house people, but is available. We have some a little bit of flexible funding. If there are folks kind of in the Midwest, one of our funders kind of covers the Midwest region. So If there are folks in other Midwestern states that are interested, you know, just contact us. Honestly, I think we can we can work something out. For example, Katie's mentor was based in Wisconsin. Katie's based in Iowa. She was in Wisconsin again because it was a remote. It worked really well. So, so there's some flexibility there. Basically, if you're again, if you are aspiring to farm, if you're dreaming about farming someday, or you've already started, or you've been farming for you know 20 years and are ready to get some and next-level mentorship, we welcome your applications. Currently, all of our mentor farms, except for one new one this year, are rural-based, and so we are looking to grow more into urban farming mentorships as well, as we know, of course, that that's a a really fast growing interest in food production, that, that style of farming, and so we have one uh, mentor farmer in Iowa who's new. That's an urban farmer, and we're looking at opportunities in other kind of larger cities in the Midwest. Does, does that answer your question, Arlene? Is it
1: does. Way? Yeah, I was also just curious about. I know you said it fluctuated depend on depending on funding levels, but approximately how many mentees or mentors do you have each year or
2: yeah. o- over it, time? It, Sure. It, it does fluctuate. This past year, 2021, I think was our highest level of participation since I've been coordinating the program for the past four years. We had between Ohio and Iowa, I think we had close to 14 mentorships. Typically it's between six and 10. That's pretty average of what it's. it's been interesting, both what we can support and the number of applications we have been kind of on par. So it's been, I guess, nice that way. And so... Yeah, at this year we're looking at close to ten that we can support. We are waiting on, honestly, we're waiting on some grant grant announcements to see if we can, you know, grow a little bit more. I'll also just make a side note that we are always looking to expand this to other parts of the country. For example, I'm currently based in Colorado. And so we've kind of been exploring with different partners here in the state ways to bring this program to Colorado. So that might be a possibility in the near future. So yeah, I think it, it, even if you're not sure if you're a right fit or if it's something you want to do or if you're in the right location, just reach out. There's, there's more flexibility than I'm able to kind of like articulate right now just because of some of those funding questions. But happy to have a conversation And if nothing else, you know, if there are other ways we can connect you through our network or with other organizations that have similar types of apprenticeship, internship, or mentorship programs, happy to connect folks.
0: I think, too, that's one of the really nice things about being able to do a remote mentorship is that both as a mentor and a mentee, I am less burdened by the cost aspect of it because Mm -hmm. I'm not going anywhere you know, makes it a lot easier to do. And Arlene, I was thinking we should really connect Natasha with the Women's Food and Network. Natasha Nichols is a urban farmer in Chicago. Oh, you please. know, if you want to talk about bigger cities in the Midwest, Chicago's kind of it. So
2: that would be great. I actually have somebody who's reached out looking for a mentor in the Chicago, greater Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And that might, you know, want to Yeah, I want to work through this program, and I just, I've been scrambling a little bit to try to to find folks, so I would love to get connected with Natasha. Yeah, and she definitely seems like one
0: of those people who knows everybody, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she seems like that's, that level of connection has been one of the biggest benefits for me of taking part in these programs, is just having the connections to other people that you might not, you know, it's hard to make the connections if you don't know the people you need to be connected to. So, Ren, what are the biggest benefits that you see of mentoring?
2: Yeah, gosh, I feel like we've kind of covered them, but I think one of the coolest kind of ways I've seen this program work is through, you know, I I didn't really know the term um, social capital until this, you know, I, I was working through this program with some mentors and really understanding how crucial that is for farm vibrancy for rural economy vibrancy, you know, for rural vibrancy and, and local economy vibrancy. And so I, I think, you know, there, there's kind of been a few different opinions about, you know, this program, for example, like one farmer saying like, I... I, you know, I appreciate getting paid a stipend and then past, you know, the formal program ending, I'm still really excited to, you know, support a mentee further, even though I'm not getting paid because it's building social capital and another mentor saying, well, cool. And like, is there any way we can pay them (laughs) for that continued mentorship, you know? And so that's also a little bit of where that skill building mentorship came into is. Again, these mentorships are happening sometimes, regardless of if we're, if we're kind of in the middle of, of supporting them, but can we support them and make further connections and provide a little bit of, of compensation? And so I think, but I think that, that social capital building is huge. I think the, the continued relationships, I, I just feel like the ripple effects really, you know, in in, in communities and, and in our farm farm economies there's another story of a woman who was had just bought land with her her partner and had reached out somehow a friend had heard about this program through the radio or something i i like i don't even know how they heard about it and so she reached out and we were able to connect her with a farmer and you know as she really redirected her what she thought she wanted to do her visions into something that felt you know kind of more practical again getting that hands on experience you're like okay that's not the direction i want to go i want to go this way and so i think that just that's just invaluable, you know. And so I think it's it's really just the core of it is about those connections being made and and we may never know fully kind of how that all ripples out into somebody's life and their their communities, but I think that, you know, growing farmers and growing food and ag advocates through this program is just yeah, it's just kind of priceless. So those are those are a few. And and Katie, I actually wanted to read a quote from that interview I did with you. I just think it's so beautiful, especially as uh, I think it's relevant for for this podcast, if I, if I can. So I'm answering your question with uh, your own words. <laughs> <parents, but laughs> you said it's so vital to have our children, both girls and boys, seeing successful role models of women working together and farming together. This is one of the greatest values I see in programs like this. And I just loved that. I just... You know, I really think that's so true as we need more models of of this type of work being done. And I, I know this isn't new, but I know it's harder as rural communities are struggling some, you know, and, and people are depopulating, like having these kind of models of of, of mm-hmm. neighbor care and connections is, is just so neat to see. So those are just a few. I know those are very kind of broad and lofty, but those are a few of the things that I've just loved being a part of this program is... of honestly just watching some of the magic happen of these
0: connections being made i have to say too especially as a mentor the the value to me of for my self-confidence and Mm self-assurance in how much my knowledge has grown in the years that i've been farming because it's really hard to just sit down and say well what do i know about x y and z but if somebody asks you a question and you can bust out you know a long relatively accurate answer it really helps you understand how much you've learned and grown just having the you know i've been listening to a lot of stuff about burnout and reading a lot about burnout Mm -hmm. and talking about the importance of community support and feeling like you have a network of people in the same position that Mm -hmm. i mean obviously we'd hope that everyone else was having a great year and we're the only ones that aren't but it's nice in a strange way to see that other producers are struggling too and that you know having been at it for 20 years doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad year you know because right. shit happens that's well, just right. how it is
2: Absolutely. and that that's great i'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me of another kind of benefit to this program that i hear from mentors through our mentor training for example learning some of those tools about how to be a better better mentor translates to how to be a better employee, employer, a better farmer. And so ultimately like there's these ripple effects of like my business improves because I'm, I'm understanding how to, how to be a better communicator with, you know, folks working on my farm. And so therefore like our efficiency goes up and folks are happier, you know, and happier to be working there. And and I think, yeah, so anyway, just another, I think, in addition to that confidence piece that you mentioned, Katie, which I think is spot on is, is also like, it really can have these extra benefits of making a a better farm business, and in some ways, also a better community member, I think, in in terms of those, you know, those things that we, I think, overlook, how to, how how to resolve conflicts when they arise, and understanding like you communicate differently than i do and you learn differently than i do and so how can i help you and how can we figure this out together it's it's it is extra work like it it is and i i don't i don't take that for granted i know it's a little bit of extra work but i think it's really worthwhile for for everybody
0: i know i will say that I learned a lot about communication styles as a mentor with this program because a few years ago I had someone that I mentored who's a fantastic, fantastic woman and a great farmer. I don't know that I could have found someone with a more opposite communication style if I had tried. She sent color coded sheets every week with questions. And I was just like, you know, I'm sitting here surrounded with my 500 post it notes with random scribblings on it. And like, what? is this? But having a fairly low stakes way to learn about people who communicate so differently and having ways to experience that and work through that that don't impact, you know, my my paid job, things like that, was really nice for me as well, just to have that support and experience with learning how to deal with people who do communicate very differently, you know, and whatever else that might look like with experience or background or you know, whatever that comes across as.
1: So if people are looking to get involved either as a mentee or potentially as a new mentor, what um, information do you have to share for them? How can they apply? Are there deadlines to be aware of or any
2: of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so the best way to access our application is um, for either a mentor, being a mentor or a mentee is through our website, which is www.com wfan.org and you would want to navigate to our harvesting our potential page. It's really easy to do that under our programs section of our website. So yeah, it's Wfan.org backslash harvesting our potential all one all one word, excuse me. So about halfway down that page is our mentorship uh, portion. You can see 2022 applications are open with the related. We also just launched a mentor profile page, um, so we'll get Katie up there on uh, up there soon. Just sharing a little bit more about who our mentors are, what their farms are about, and some of the some of the kind of unique skills that you might be able to learn from that mentor on that farm. So that'll be the best way. Currently, my contact information is also on there. That'll be changing soon to the to the new person, my successor. Like I said, any questions about the program, even if this isn't the year, but you want to be considered for future years as a mentor or mentee, please reach out. We can keep you on a list and happy to just chat you up. And, and like I said, there's other ways to get connected with WFAN as well that we'd be glad to talk with you.
0: So Ren, what's next for you? Are you, and I can edit this out if it's like top secret too, are you staying at WFAN and moving into a different position or are you off on some graded i'm
2: fully leaving w fan and i hope to be i mean yes i'm on an adventure i I don't know what i'm doing next i have a few kind of part-time gigs just to kind of keep the bills paid but ultimately it is like a little bit more flex time to kind of figure out figure out what's next um hoping to do some some grant writing support for different organizations now that i've got a ton of experience with that through (laughs) supporting these programs and uh like I said, I live in Colorado and hiking right outside my back door. I'm looking at a trail just right outside my window. And so I'm hoping to just do a little bit more of some of that, that outdoor time. And I haven't grown food since I've been out here, but hoping to maybe get some, I don't really have a good spot exactly where I'm located. And this is a hard place to grow food This this region, but maybe doing some community garden plots this next summer and just taking some time, honestly, yeah.
0: I think we all really undervalue the importance of taking some time and Mm -hmm. just taking that time to assess where we're going and what we're doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I appreciate working with you and I hope that whatever you do next is successful and enjoyable. And I'm trying to really like move away from these very like goal oriented, you know, succeed, work more sort of things in life. Fulfilling. Yes. Fulfilling. Thank you.
2: Yeah. I appreciate that. I And I hear you there as well. Yeah. And Katie, again, like just it's, it's been so cool to work with you and I'm going to be cheering WFAN and you all on from the sidelines. And it's been, yeah, it's been when I got this job, it was my dream job. So it's it's interesting to be leaving, be leaving your dream job and kind of like, well, what's my next dream job? And I, I don't know. So it's been just a great organization to be a part of. So thank you. And thanks both for having me on and I'm so excited that you're just doing this podcast generally. Can I ask kind of where, where are you all at with it or what's your trajectory? Are you going to keep on going? Did you have a limited amount of time you're going to be doing this?
0: So my husband asked this
2: more recently
0: than I would have anticipated <laughs> if we thought we were going to do like 15 episodes. This is actually episode 20, 21. Somewhere in there.
1: I think it might we've be. We've interviewed a bunch of people that haven't even been released yeah. yet. so, I've so lost. Yeah. So we've got like
0: thirty episodes yeah. worth of material, but yeah. you know, Jim asked if we were going to do like ten episodes or kind of what we were thinking, and I said, well, you know, it's about farming and parenting, so probably we'll cover all of farming and then all of parenting, and then by then we'll probably be able to circle around to farming again. So we're (laughs) getting a really great response from a lot of folks. And I've been really surprised at the number of non-farming non-parents who've been listening and really connecting with something that they find (laughs) enjoyable. I think there's a real need for less formal communication, especially around farming and parenting together, that things that are out there are sponsored by different businesses or organizations or whatever which is great but it tends to be a lot more professional and polished which are not words that have been used to describe us recently but i think we're a lot more accessible and yeah. straightforward and i think that's incredibly valuable for a lot of folks so i guess we'll keep doing it so until our gets sick we me. don't
1: we have no yeah, idea. we we don't we don't have an end date in mind, and yeah. we're both still. I mean, hopefully, we'll be in the same place, you know, year or two years from now. We're still so excited, and have like every time we talk about future guests, we have long lists of people or topics that we want to cover. So, yeah, you know, maybe when the excitement wears off someday. But yeah, I guess we'll be parents forever. So,
0: long story <laughs> short, we'll keep talking until somebody makes us stop. So,
1: you know. And the thing with podcasts is we don't have any sponsors, so you yeah. just, just keep going.
0: It's actually, it's been really freeing because I keep finding myself, even from reaching out to Carrie to be my mentor, that my first reaction was, well, what if she says no and then like laughs at me and then takes to social media to tell everybody about how I asked her this stupid thing and she said no and every, you know, and I was like, what's she going to do? It's, you know, like all she can do is say no. Mm-hmm. and you know i feel like one of the most often heard things on our production meetings such as they are is well there aren't any podcast police you know because we'll say well can we have this person on or can we do this and i'm like we can do whatever we want you know until yeah. somebody decides to start paying us to do it yeah do it we you know whatever pleases us and what best suits where we're going in life and-
1: yeah and we've already had some Yes, is from some pretty amazing well I mean all of our guests so far (laughs) have been incredible but from some people that I never thought I would get to talk to you know well in person over zoom whatever but yeah it's uh it's been great so far
2: so we'll just keep going yeah Yeah. that's awesome I'm so excited to hear about it so I think I've mentioned to Katie a few times and this is me just kind of there's been parts of my job I've been slacking on a little bit, like doing some, some profiles on, on our, our mentorships. The point being like, I'd love, and I will definitely pass this on to my successor, like to do an inter, like a reverse interview with you both for a profile about this work that you're doing, which I think is so, so needed. So just, I guess, stay tuned. I'm gonna, I'm really gonna be making a plug for that. And then also like, I don't know if it's in your interest or wheelhouse, but I would really be excited to see a full conference workshop. workshop on this topic and, you know, obviously, like in whatever way that makes sense to you also. I'm I'm not to, I don't know, just putting a plug there.
0: (laughs) I know I at least would love to. I think it's really valuable and just in the podcasting space, the ability to just have your show and talk Mm -hmm. about what you want to talk about and not have to have that level of policing and just being able to be very transparent. I'm trying to think with the... I really hate the word authentic because it sounds so like, you know, I bought this at Anthropology and it's authentic. You know, but to be very open with people and that the more open we are with each other, the easier it is for everyone. And I know for myself, at least like one of the things I've been kicking around is whether we could do more informal like mentoring circles around things like being able to podcast or doing more marketing or more community outreach, those sort of not things that have a lot to do with ag, with farming and community development, but less with ag specific skills, yeah. you know, and sort of how we can, can leverage that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's great. And I think those are the kind of, those are kind of the ideas that like, I mean, not that that has to be like a WFN specific thing, but those are the kind of kind of ideas that I want to hear about to see if there are ways that we can incorporate more of that. So anyway, that's great. I think
0: one of the best things for me from WFAN is that I don't think anybody has ever told me no about (laughs) anything. It's always (laughs) just been, oh, I'm sure we can figure something out. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like this year, I really wasn't looking to do a mentorship in twenty. 21 but then when you approached me and were like well we're doing this five-day intensive and I'm like well I know I was one of the people who really was pushing for programming for you know existing farmers it seemed really rude to be like not gonna do it you guys so and look where it's gotten us
2: yeah exactly I'm so glad you said yes and I'm so glad I because I remember you telling me that story of like Oh, I can't reach out to Carrie uh, and she said yes so
0: yeah yeah but she's totally famous and it turns out she's actually super nice too mm-hmm. which I shouldn't tell because you know probably other people are going to ask her for
1: stuff now <laughs> but. she's also good at saying no if she doesn't mm-hmm. want to so our other question that we ask each of our guests is what county fair competition would you dominate
2: real or imagined
1: Um, and it can yeah it doesn't have to be a real category you can make it up first you know to make sure that you win it whatever you want it to be
2: okay i would need more time to like imagine something that's totally like not in existence but i would definitely win i i would really want to win (laughs) The the okra the vegetable uh vegetable word blue ticket for uh blue ribbon for okra like for, the biggest and most beautiful okra.
0: Okay, I wasn't sure if we were talking like growing or cooking or consuming or
2: growing. Like the most beautiful pod of just okra. That's my favorite yeah. vegetable. So yeah, they really
0: are an attractive, attractive vegetable. Yeah,
2: it's a beautiful plant, so, and just really I don't even really
1: know sweet. if we can grow them here. That's not something that's usually on the in the seed catalogs. But have to look that up. See, I mean our our growing season can't be too much different than Iowa.
2: Yeah, we definitely, obviously, don't grow it as well as they do in the south, but but it's just yeah, it's always been one of my favorites. So yeah, thanks for letting me momentarily live out that fantasy. It's that uh, <laughs> one I fully yeah fully thought through.
1: So Ben, right. unless you have anything else to plug, we're going to move into our cussing and discussing category. Do you have anything else you want to say before we move on to our uh, our next segment?
2: Uh, I don't think so. Do I need earplugs?
1: Uh, well, we don't. You don't have to swear. Okay. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't get too foul usually. So, as usual, if any guests would like to cuss and discuss with us, you can submit your cussing and discussing on any of the social media platforms. Send us a voice memo, any of that kind of stuff. We have a speak pipe. What's it? Do we just like speak speakpipes
0: speak. dot backslash barnyard language?
1: There you go. You just record into the void, and then it'll get to us. You can just so scream Katie, right into the into the void. Into yeah. the pipe,
0: not too <laughs> loudly, please. Like,
1: I'm picturing like the end of a culvert. <laughs> like, what are you cussing and discussing this week? Maybe the
0: first thing I should cuss is the germs my kids brought home. So we're we're back in getting two kids out the door for school every morning, and the little one especially is just pretty sure that he doesn't have to go to school anymore, and it's such a a blend. Of heartbreaking because he says, but I want to stay home with you, mommy! I just want to stay home, you know, and also you can't drop out because you're three and a half years old and that is not enough education. I mean, you know, three letters and you can count to five if we're talking about combines, but it's just such a everyday sort of thing, and there's just no reasoning with the three-year-old. And it is such an exercise in self-control for adults and trying to remember that there is no reasoning with the three-year-old ever about anything.
1: It's the everydayness of stuff, isn't it? It's like, why do I have to keep doing this over and over again? And you can't show any weakness because then you know (laughs) that they're going to chip away at that.
0: Well, and yesterday he refused to put his coat and boots on and we were running late and I finally just hauled him out to the car without him and, you know, set them there and then the whole way to school was, but I (laughs) called. Well, no shit, kid. Like, I didn't, I wasn't trying to make you put on boots and a coat just for my own entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know, I, anyway. Ren, what do you have to cuss and discuss?
2: Well, as you were talking, so I don't, I don't have children. I've I've certainly taken care of a lot, a lot of kiddos in my life, so I can relate. You know, just I I hate to say I can relate with you, but because I'm not a parent, I can't really. But I I, I hear some of these stories, and I've witnessed some of them. But I, I was taking care of a husky for a month. I know you said you also talk about dogs sometimes on here. I was taking care of a husky for a month, and as you were relating this three-year-old story, I was thinking about how the Husky sometimes acts like a three-year-old where, especially when it's time to come home from, you know, one to two hour, you know, long walk in in the mountain city where he's never been before. It's his whole new adventure. He will just act like the oldest man. He will slow down. He will straight up lay in the middle of the street. And while I can't help but like, laugh and love him and it's very endearing there are definitely some swear words that come out as well and I can't it's also like the neighbors think I'm so horrible right now because I'm literally dragging you up the street I look like I I look horrible so thanks for you know helping me maintain a good image with the neighbors and also like I'm late for a meeting now and so anyway very endearing and also very frustrating at the same time husky 10 year old husky acting like he's a he's a toddler
0: I did have yesterday I had to drag the kid into into daycare and he cried and cried and cried the whole time. And of course he has such a great time once he's there. Mm-hmm. And I came out and, you know, all the kids walking to school walk in front of the daycare because it's right next to the school. And I came out and I just sort of thumped my head down on the steering wheel in frustration and totally just like slammed my forehead into the horn <laughs> and just blared the horn at all these kids that were walking by. And so everybody's just staring at me and I was like, you know, this whatever this is just how it is now yeah because this is just what it is anyway arlene how's that four kids and a puppy at home going
1: well yeah i mean it feels like you guys are gloating because you actually get to leave your house so yeah i guess my cussing will be not going anywhere again because schools are closed again Mm -hmm. so at this point they have announced that the kids are supposed to go back as scheduled on monday But the last time they canceled school, it was on a Monday and we didn't go back on Wednesday. So until like Sunday night, I don't believe it's actually going to happen. So we'll just go with, I mean, the ongoing cussing the damn pandemic because it's garbage and sucks and nobody wants to get sick and everyone's trying to do the right thing. And but I want some people to leave my house every once in a while and I don't want to do grade two anymore. Yeah, I don't like. I mean, I think I enjoyed grade two when I was there, but I'm not not enjoying doing it over again. Well, I'm so, sure yeah, your virtual uh, school.
0: responsibility level was a lot different when you were in second grade than <laughs> yeah. it is now.
1: Yeah, that's right. I maybe still whined when I had to write a sentence, but I wasn't the one trying to make a person write just one sentence so I could take a picture and send it to your teacher.
0: Yeah, just one sentence. So how's the puppy Arlene? Oh, he's fine. Is he good? Okay. <laughs> yeah. How's the how's the doom cow? I can never remember uh, her name. Is Saturn. Oh, or this Jupiter. like
1: usually she only tries to hurt me when I'm prepping her. Today she went after me when I was prepping the cow beside her, which I said was not part of the deal because <laughs> that's just extra sneaky. Because usually I figure once I'm done with her, I move on to the next animal that I'm I'm out of her range. But no, she tried to swing around and knock me into the gutter again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, still not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yep. I
0: had a day-old calf trying to kick me last week. I was like, well, aren't you your mama's child? Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> just whatever, kid. All right. Do we have anything else, Arlene?
1: I don't think so. So I think we'll just thank you, Ren, for joining us today. And good luck in your future adventures and some very long hikes in your future. <laughs> and thank you for sharing lots of information about the mentorship program and W Fan,
2: And everyone can look that up. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Arlene. It's great to be on. Thanks, Ren. Take care. Yep,
0: you too.